Welcome to the Live a Beautiful Life podcast, where we explore the many paths that lead towards living a beautiful life. KDV, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, it's so cool because we got uh, linked up by one of my friends, Melody, who is like a big supporter of the stuff that I do. And she said, oh, I'm seeing a friend in town and she has a whole foundation on joy. Her whole mission is joy. And I was like, oh, wow, that sounds really cool. I want to talk to this person. <laughs> so um, with that being said, can you tell us even more about yourself and the work that you do? Yeah, so um, it's kind of, it can be a long story. I'm going to try not to make it too long. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I am um, I'm a member of a number of organizations that I joined during COVID because I'm also a professional clown, and I got shut down during COVID. So I created what I called my tunnel of joy, <laughs> which was every conference and community-oriented thing that I could find that was incorporating play, improvisation, laughter, or humor. And so that means I joined the Association of Applied and Therapeutic Humor, the Applied Improv Network. I attended a conference called Play, Perform, Learn, and Grow. And I've joined the Eastside Institute in New York uh, during COVID, started an organization called the Global Play Brigade. And that was really interesting. And it was adults playing online, improv games, and other things to connect. And it was started by folks in China who requested that they, the Eastside Institute do something for all of the people that were on lockdown because they were lonely. So what I do now <laughs> is continue that work through online sessions and uh, sessions for resilience, because we all need that. And a little bit of what I do is I give people standing ovations and recognition and acknowledgement for simply being alive. Wow, beautiful. Well, thank you for, for that introduction and introducing us to a, what you do and in a, in a way that's, that sounds so unique to you, um, which is fascinating. Um, it's clear you've always been inspired to spread joy and you found this new way through these foundations and the different things that you do during COVID. Um, so I want to ask... When was it, would you say, that you can remember that you realized that you wanted to spread joy? And then how did that turn into you wanting to become a clown as the way to do that? Because clowns can get a bad rap with the horror <laughs> yeah, industry and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'd love to hear how all of that worked. Right. Uh, well, I was actually a street performer in Europe. I've been performing for 30 years, 
But I think the point where it really started to get funny and kind of joyful was um, I, I had a human statue in Barcelona that was the lady dead, the dead lady under the meteorite. And that lady helped pay for his circus school <laughs> while I was in Barcelona. <laughs> and she yelled for help in 14 languages. Wow. And nobody ever helped her. But as long as the money flowed, because that's what, you know, you're working, right? Um, I wouldn't die. And it was amazing how joyful it was, you know, to, to, <laughs> to, to be this crazy character. And um, I think part of it, too, was the founder of the U.S. Clowns Without Borders, Moshe Cohen, was my clown teacher at the circus school. And he's a Zen clown. And I've studied Zen, and I've, I've been interested in, the, in Buddhist practices for a long time. And so I connected with him pretty deeply in the concept. But then there's another thing. The Native American community, First Nations, almost all tribes have clowns of some sort. And those clowns are the mystical characters that get to speak with great spirit. And the way I see it is their job, at least the way I took it into my clown self, is that my job is to remove the negative energy of the space to allow for all the good to come in in a safe, welcoming, inclusive environment and have fun. That's fascinating. I have never heard either of those facts. Um, I really would like to hear even more, especially about the Zen clown. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you tell me what that is? <laughs> Well, it ties into a lot of these ideas that we we all have a clown within us. And the clown is, if you think about it, in history, the clown was the one who could speak the truth without being killed. So the jester could speak the truth of the royalty, but they would never be murdered because of it. <laughs> they were given this license to do the wacky, to entertain to show us where the emperor has no clothes, but they were safe. And so the Zen idea is that we each have a little bit of that within each of us, right? But Zen takes it to a level that says, just be, right? Zen is very in the moment and mindful and meditative. And so you can zen, you can walk in meditation, you can wash the dishes in meditation, you can you can sit, obviously, in meditation, you can clown in meditation and be mindful. So it sort of ties it into your everyday. There isn't a big division between you and the clown. Yeah, and that even raises the question to me is if is joy just a state or a beingness? Is there more beingness than doingness within joy? Absolutely. Um, we are worthy because we exist, because we are. But our culture teaches us 
that we're only worthy if we do. But so much is forgotten and not pointed out that just because you're on earth today, you deserve to be acknowledged. You deserve love. You deserve kindness. You deserve to be who you are just because you exist. Hmm. Amen. That's beautiful. Hmm. So someone who hears those words and they almost sound completely foreign and mm. like, how, how could I just be worthy of that? Uh, maybe someone who hasn't experienced that belongingness or that sense of joy in a long time, how would you describe joy to someone who hasn't felt it in such a long time? That's a really good question. Because when I approach somebody I've never met before out of a gut instinct that they need it and I give them a standing ovation and I look them in the eye and I tell them they're worthy and they deserve to be acknowledged because they exist and they deserve all of their dreams to come true just because they're on earth flying around on this planet with me, with everybody they cry. Hmm. I see profound changes in people's face and their body language that says no one, or it's been a very long time, but I'm going to go with no one has ever acknowledged me just because. And to me, that's incredibly profound. And I have people that cry and tell me their stories of things they're not telling anybody else and they just confess or let it out for a minute and I listen. I can't solve it, but I can, I think I see that it, it gives a little bit of strength. And so let me get back to your question because I know I just sort of went on a tangent. So how do you describe joy? <laughs> to someone who hasn't experienced it recently. So joy is bigger than happiness. Joy can be fleeting or lasting. I think joy, joy is this, we've learned the energy, the waves of energy from our heart reach out three feet beyond us. And I think the joy is an amplifier of that energy and it can be passed from one person to the next and you bring expression to that joy and ex by expressing it to someone they experience it again that's why they break down mm -hmm. because i think it's an innate thing that in we know deeply we know this but we don't ever get to feel it just because. You know, there's always a reason behind something. And I'm offering a non-reason, just a simple fact that we're space dust. You know, maybe we're non-physical beings having an earthly experience. So some of us somewhere deep down know 
all of that, but we don't hear it while we're on the planet. Yeah. And I love what you described about how you see people and their bodies. You can feel that they are holding on to stuff where they do not believe that mm -hmm. they are enough just for being alive. Because what, what I've heard, and I, I think Brene Brown talks about this a lot, is that joy is actually the most vulnerable emotion humans mm. experience. And so no wonder there's this breaking out into tears and feeling like they're seen for the first time because it's a very vulnerable experience. Yeah. And, and I hadn't remembered Brene Brown's description and I, I see it. I see the vulnerability because I, you know, I walk up to strangers and I say, can I give you something? And immediately there's a, what do you want from me? Look. And, a, a, you know, they get a little bit frozen and protection. And, oh, no, somebody's asking me for something. And then I repeat, can I give you something? I don't want anything from you. And then they look at me skepti skeptically. And then I start with it quiet, sometimes bigger, sometimes smaller, little clapping of the hands, looking in the eyes. And the first line is always, thank you for being alive, because that usually gets a laugh. <laughs> sometimes people say, yeah, if you knew what it took for me to get here today and be alive. And I hear that when they say that too, because of what people have survived to be here, whatever that means, today. Wow. And you're, you're finding this through random moments and, and mm -hmm. people and these completely unexpected moments. And, and, and I actually saw this on your website. Uh, I heard words like random moments and spontaneous. And yes. how have you found that spontaneity is like the conductor of a joyful experience. So, yeah, that's interesting. I, I follow a gut instinct because I trust my gut a lot. Just because I guess years of practicing that. And I think catching people off guard is part of the beauty of it. And, and I've scheduled, you know, uh, visits at domestic violence shelters and senior centers where you might need to schedule. Certainly a domestic violence shelter, you don't have an address until you contact someone and schedule in advance. So those are a little bit different, but the reaction is the same. It's, I mean, who's walking around near you that survived domestic violence in their lifetime. Uh, I survived domestic violence. Who's walking around you that survived an illness? I survived an illness. Who's walking around you who's lost someone important to them? I've lost someone important to me. And who suffers from, they don't, they struggle with financial 
stuff. I struggle with financial stuff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm going around doing this stuff, living by, I say I'm living by the seat of my trousers without any suspenders. <laughs> yeah. We're all in in some way connected. Yeah. More than we realize. Yeah. And unity consciousness is sort of the center from which this all arrives. We are all connected. So when human connection was truly stifled, how was it that you created joy and belonging and peace during the pandemic with isolation and people and, and people's lives being lost and, and all this stuff? So I first tried to do some clowning online. I created some stay home videos and made them really goofy. And I thanked all the grocery workers and the truck drivers and the doctors and the nurses and everyone I could think of. And I was also working at a university that was not terribly joyful. <laughs> and uh, when the pandemic hit, we were needing to do a musical. And so the way I created joy was I became the sole video editor of one of the first virtual musicals that came out online. Wow. So the students were in their dorm rooms with green screens recording their parts. And then I would get all that footage and need to create something from it. And it took about four months. So it was a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> and yet totally joyful. It was totally novel. And it was, an ex it was experimental. It was right up my alley. You know, hey, let's see if we can make something out of this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's what I did at first with the pandemic. And I was in Michigan, so we got locked down three times. I couldn't clown. Uh, I ended up, you know, sitting and working more than at a computer, more than I normally would have. And my goal was to be come out of there the strongest physically ever and i that's not the what happened <laughs> so i ended up getting a trailer i got a little eight foot trailer and a friend called me and said how would you like to be a camp host in death valley outside you know and by now it's 2021 it's two years into the pandemic I've tried making videos. I've done my tunnel of joy where I take all these classes and participate online with these organizations, which I didn't stop doing. But I did drive along the Trail of Tears all the way to Oklahoma from Tennessee and then continued on my way through Native American reservations until I got to Death Valley. And then in Death Valley, I spent six months as a camp host and I got firsthand experience of how angry people were and how disconnected they were and how people were just, it's almost like in some cases, they'd rather fight with each other than try and find any kind of connection. 
And I decided that I didn't care whose politics were whose. I didn't care about anything that was going to divide us as people. And I didn't listen. I didn't shut anybody down. But I sort of didn't give that much credit. I decided that my first purpose was to connect with people. So whoever was in front of me was the person that I was going to just be with and honor them as humans. And that's what led into the creation of Joy First Foundation. Wow. And and the journey through all of those reservations and seeing just human suffering from such a close angle, but then cho- choosing to see people and honor them like they should be honored, which is the exact opposite of the history of those reservations. I mean, that is really, it's like a transmuting the energy of the times and of our past into something truly, truly amazing. The more I just keep listening to you talk about meeting people on the side of the road and the standing ovation and talking to them, I'm like, I want to do that, but I'm also scared and have no idea how to do it. Is there a science to it or anything? Because uh, I'm an overthinker, of course. Um, and I'm sure you've talked to other people who, you know, either have experienced your warmth or or friends of you and have probably talked to them about how they could do this themselves. How would you, you know, for someone like me who wants to bring that joy to other people and especially the random people... How would you just, you know, maybe, maybe it's way more complicated. It's not nearly as complicated as I'm making it in my head. <laughs> it's not. It, well. But how should I go about that? It is complicated for people. I've taught, uh, I've only just start started talking uh, in workshops and teaching a little bit of how to talk to strangers. There was the Performing the World Happenings Conference uh, in October with the Eastside Institute, and I I did um, I did four practicums with people in front of me on Zoom saying, okay, go talk to strangers. <laughs> <laughs> and people communicated how difficult it was for them. And so I'm still working out some of it, but there is an acronym that sort of teaches us how to do it, how to approach. And it's a little deeper than what I'm going to be able to get into here. It's a 12-part series, and the anacronym associated with it is the word respectfully. And I'm going to give this credit to my friend Olivia, who was with me at the very beginning of the tour of Joy, who helped me come up with this idea. But I'm going to say a couple things first, too. So in the tour, in the past year, non-stop, I have gone from therapeutic humorist to social therapist to therapeutic humorist to improviser and their homes. And I have, I'm a van lifer, so I live in a van. (laughs) (laughs) That trailer, I traded in for a van so that I was uh, fully uh, self-sufficient in the van. So as I stop at people's homes, I get to experience a little bit of their life. And they get to experience a joyful moment. Most of them take the video. 
and don't actually join me in the moment. Some do, but every single one of them has had a barrier to overcome with how this works. And it started as an experiment. It started with, what happens if I do this? And the reaction was so big, it made it very clear. And, and every single person that has gotten, which is probably a thousand people now have gotten joyful moments. Every single one afterwards, I say, should I keep doing this? And a hundred percent answer, oh yeah. Some people say, I didn't even know I needed this. I've had someone say, I need every word you're saying. I've had someone say, you're just what I needed as it's happening. So it's become very clear that if I can help others do this for more people, I call it a crack in the door. It's just a little bit of light. So if we can crack that door open, if I can crack that door open a little bit, and then you can help crack it open a little wider, then we're really getting somewhere. So respectfully, let me get back to that. So respectfully, the words are research, which I'm in, still in the process of doing, uh, but each of us can do that by watching, listening, trying things out. I mean, that's how I started. So I'm gonna go through the words kind of quickly. Uh, research, empathy, spontaneity, props, experiment, connection, yourself and the person in front of you, which is also a collaboration, thoughtfulness, fun, understanding, understanding context, the recipient and the environment, love, crack in the door, which is light or levity, and yes, yes and, which are one of the most important improv rules for improvisation, yes and. So first, you try something out. You, you sort of research. You, you say, what happens if I say this to a story? What if you just give a compliment? That's also something that I'm noticing that isn't happening enough. Notice a sweater. Notice a hairstyle. Notice a pair of shoes. Notice something and give a random stranger a compliment. We all know what it's like to be criticized. We're losing what it's like to get compliments, especially from strangers. So when you say, I really like your hair, and they light up, and they go, I just got it cut yesterday, they're going to tell you something about it. And you listen. And then you have empathy, and you can celebrate with them. Oh, man, you just got your hair done. This looks so good. I love it. Great job. You can keep the compliments going. Spontaneity is... Who do you think, if you looked in a crowd of people in the middle of Walmart, who do you think might need a compliment in that moment? Who's, who's walking with their head down? Who looks engrossed in thought? Who looks like they could be cranky and having a bad day? Who do you think might need uh, just a little bit of levity in the moment? Props. I give... Um, kazoos. I give 3D printed little joys 
so I can give somebody a little joy. I give tokens of appreciation, which are actual little coins. I give finger lights, which is just a little bit of light. You know, they're a little punny. The kazoos are great for arguing. So I give people kazoos enough for them and their partner. And I say, if you guys have some arguments, the best thing you can do is argue with a kazoo because you cannot not laugh while using a kazoo. We go back to experimenting and trying things out, seeing how you feel, because you should get a reciprocity from the experience. By giving a compliment, you should be feeling good. And in surveys with people, it started out saying, do you get more from a standing ovation or recognition or a material thing? The last thing that they said was a material thing. No, it, that's not doing it. Standing ovation or recognition was first. The next thing we added in the survey was helping someone else. And that became top. So if you go through life and you think, you know, one of the Zen mindsets is service and, and leadership. Service, servant leaders, you know, if you've heard that phrase before, it's, it's about being of service. And being of service brings joy, connection. Now, we all have plenty of reasons not to connect with each other. So how about if you become a conduit for connection on purpose? That's a really big deal. Whoever's in front of you. So you have a, you're at the grocery store and you have the person running, uh, you know, the cashier at the grocery store. Well, let's talk about that person for a minute. If they were working there during COVID, there's a slight chance they got spit on. There's a slight chance they didn't get a raise. They certainly didn't get a stimulus check uh, or unemployment. They might have gotten a stimulus check, but they didn't get unemployment like everybody else. If they stayed there during COVID, that's some tenacity because they were scared. They were in the thick of it. They had people yelling about toilet paper. They had people yelling about all kinds of things they couldn't get in the moment and putting it all on this person who's probably making minimum wage, who's probably doing this to pay for college or just get by or help someone else get by, like their kids. So that connection is just acknowledging the effort that that person put out just to show up to work, which is a huge compliment. Thank you for showing up to work today and helping me with my groceries. Nobody says that except us now. <laughs> um, and this ties into the thoughtfulness. You know, it's think about that other human as if it were like a mirror. If you're dealing with stuff, they're dealing with stuff. They might be different things, but it's all stuff. And every one of us has a struggle we're not talking about. Everyone. The fun part is bringing the levity, bringing the light, bringing lightness. Can you have fun? Are you fun challenged? Because that's a different conversation. 
but we can have that conversation about how to be more fun. There's a word called elevate, and it means to inspire each other. And so I walk around, who can I elevate today? Kind of everyone in front of me. And, you know, I have cranky things that happen. I have uh, PayPal changed their policies and some things that I had going through my PayPal account were suddenly being declined and I didn't know who was being declined or what, and it was frustrating. And, and so I called PayPal. I said, look, I have a problem. But, you know, I decide on every phone call that may not be the most pleasant phone call that I'm going to make them laugh because I can guarantee you 99% of those people are not thinking about the person who's just having their day job on the phone and deserve, they deserve a laugh. So the last thing is yes and, which is uh, one of the most important rules of improv. And I did bring it up earlier, but I'm just gonna say, improv teaches us to take some risks, to say yes to opportunities and be open to opportunities we didn't expect. And so by, by saying yes to the impulse to go and speak to the person in front of us, I think is, is a really, really good thing to do. Yeah, I would agree with you. And thank you again for sharing all of that. Like when you said, just give someone a compliment, I was like, oh yeah, it mm-hmm. really is so simple. <laughs> That's That's so great. And then I started to think about like maybe even more of the reasons why we don't do it. And for me, now I think this is the way for so many people, they come to something like this and they think, what happens if the person that I talk to, that I give a standing ovation to, that I do any of this, looks at me, laughs, or looks at me distasteful, or, or, or just something negative, like, am I going to be able to recover from that experience? Uh, has that been a fear of yours? And, and even if it hasn't been for you, how, how does someone overcome that? So I think in a thousand joyful moments, I can think of two people that said no. Whoa. Yeah. And you know what? As you're talking, I was thinking about it. I was a street performer. So as a street performer, I, I had to take these same risks, right? And then whatever I performed, if they didn't like it, nobody put money in my head. If they liked it, they put money in my head. But now I'm not, I'm not asking for money in my hat. And so there's a part of me, well, and, and through trial and error too, right? I've learned... People don't say no to this generally, because if your heart is in the right place, they see that. And I think if somebody laughed at me, I'd laugh with them because we both get these great chemicals from laughter. And I can, I can share my trauma with someone and have a way bigger vulnerability hangover, I call it, than from doing these joyful moments. Because of the reciprocity, because what you give, you get back. Uh, thank you. Only two people. That is 
that is mind blowing to me. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. So again, in looking through your website, I came across something else that I was just like, what is that? I need to know more. And that was laughter yoga. And one of the things within your an acronym too, experiment, I was like, this is a really cool experiment. I Maybe not yours, someone else's, but like someone experimented and found laughter yoga. This sounds so cool. What is that? You know, I've done hot yoga. I've done vinyasa flow, power yoga. You know, what is laughter yoga? So in the 90s, a man named... Dr. Kataria, a, a physician, had this idea that if he and his wife told jokes and made people laugh, they would be able to do something good for people. And when they discovered the jokes weren't the important part, the laughter was. So using pranayama, breathing exercises, no stretching, except maybe to stretch your arms out or touch your toes, but most of it is laughing for the health of it and laughing on purpose. My teacher was Sebastian Gentry, so he is a French man who worked with Dr. Kataria and created Laughter Online University. And there's many teachers and some of their methodologies are slightly different, but it's all laughing for the health of it. You get more oxygen. If you laugh for 20 minutes, it's like doing a core workout. You get all of the serotonin, dopamine, and endorphins you could possibly want, which are happy chemicals. And you can't, from the studies, they're fine. The studies are coming out now and showing the science behind spontaneous laughter, uh, real laughter, and spontaneous is laughter yoga, but it's, you know, laughing on purpose. And in those, you can't have cortisol, which is your stress hormone, and be laughing with and raising those endorphins at the same time. You either have cortisol or you have the endorphins. And so in that, you're really helping yourself stay in a more positive mindset by laughing on purpose and laughing at nothing. So it starts with take a deep breath and laugh it out. <laughs> it starts with like we've had we've had some technology stuff to deal with here. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like one of the exercises is you open up a bill that you do not want to see. And when you open up that envelope, you laugh. <laughs> And instead of allowing in the cortisol and the stress, you laugh it off. You laugh it away. And it's consciously giving yourself the chemicals that you want to give to yourself. And people do it in groups. They do it online. You can do it by yourself, believe it or not. I found, I use Insight Timer for meditations. There's laughter yoga on there. The cardiovascular benefits, the oxygen benefits, the chemical benefits, the physical benefits are so much that we should all be doing this every day. We'd be smiling a lot more. 
And in fact, if you spend 10 minutes, even one minute, but I try and do more like 10, when you first get up in the morning, if you just smile, you're activating your happy chemicals. Wow, that's so cool. Oh my goodness. I'm, <laughs> I don't know why I thought about this, but there's like this whole movement of, you know, like biohacking, hack your biology. And it's a very like a bro sort of thing. You know, you have all these Instagrammers like, here's how I'll hack your biology. And I mean, there's some cool stuff out there. There's some fake stuff out there. But this is like one of those hacks <laughs> You're right. of your biology. One of those true hacks that I've never heard before. Oh, and it's a brilliant hack. Wow. That's, I mean, that's so cool. So what's come out of these joyful moments? Um, when I was hearing that elementary school children were judging each other based on who their parents voted for, and that that shouldn't be happening. I went into the school and did a program using laughter yoga and improvisation and compliments to talk about judging and bullying as, hey, let's try something different. And I've now done that program for college students, elementary school kids, high school kids, and adults. And we've done it for suicide prevention and anti-bullying. And laughter and gratitude can stop suicide ideation. It's not jokes that you tell about someone else or self-deprecating jokes. They're general jokes that can cause laughter. And I say laughter yoga too. Along with the gratitude, they can stop people that are in the process of that thinking. It's wild that the simplest of things laughter the the thing we we take for granted and and we, you know what brings someone to suicidal ideation is something so heavy and it, i guess it makes perfect sense that something completely not heavy something light and something that just fills your body, body with ease and happiness is what can stop someone from considering suicide. Well, well, I, I must ask as we're finishing up this podcast, I wanted to ask just, you know, you've, you've given us all the elements of what you do, not all of them, but so many elements and, and what it means to you. I would love to know what is the mission of the Joy First Foundation? The mission of Joy First Foundation is to provide opportunities to experience the best moments of life through immersive educational activities and content. We help reimagine living and human development toward more joyful life experiences. And the vision is Joy First Foundation evokes, embraces, and energizes humanity through the understanding, offering, and creation of joyful experiences, like what I'm talking about. So if I were to offer up two statements, 
My work has definitely led me to living a more beautiful life. The moments I have where people cry and confess and tell me they needed those words so badly, I feel like I'm doing something pretty important right now. And since 100% of the people have said, everybody needs this, then my goal is to grow it, to try and get as many people doing these moments as possible. So over the next year or so, that's my goal, is to try and create Joy First Ambassadors, and there are a few already, who are motivated to go out and just make life a little better, a regular, ordinary life a little better for the person in front of them. And my final words for all the people listening here is please remember A compliment is way better than criticism, and that includes for yourself. We all have a self-critic. We all have a deep self-critic in a lot of ways. So give yourself a compliment. And then give the person in front of you a compliment. And then the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And think about that whatever you have that's rolling around, ruminating in your head, everybody has that. So the effort we make to create the reciprocity where we give what we want to receive, we grow it and it expands. And when you do it with a little louder voice, The people that are in earshot of what you're doing also get it. There's a ripple effect that branches out further than where you're standing. And so the chances of the effect that could go on and joy it forward, I call it, (laughs) where someone receives a joyful moment and then talks about it, gives it, and continues that train I mean, what would our world look like if we spent most of our time working on the reciprocity? Hey, I need some more love. Oh, let me give some more love. Oh, I need some more. Let me give some of that. And the last thing I'm going to say is Lee Harris Energy on YouTube is, and Facebook and everywhere is one of my favorite people. And he he had a post in Instagram that said, heart is the new currency. I wish that were 100% true because I think I'd be a millionaire. (laughs) I think I am a millionaire anyway. But if we believe that heart is currency and that it spreads three feet out around us, then let's act like that. What we give, we get, and let's make it joyful. Katie, thank you so much. This is a, this has been such an interesting podcast experience for me because even though there has been so much um, technical difficulties that I hope no listener hears, <laughs> um, I've been smiling and laughing through the whole thing. And you know, I don't even know where you're located right now in your van, but. I can feel the joy through my laptop screen and I can feel it from your words and your intentions. And 
This is one of those episodes where I really felt like I learned a lot of new things. And I'm just, I'm so excited to go through and listen again and give this to people. And I will put any ways that people can contact you, support what you do, um, learn more about you in the description of this podcast episode. Once again, thank you so, so much. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for listening to the Live a Beautiful Life podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a like and a share. You can also head on over to Instagram or TikTok and look up at Adam Reed Williams, spelled R-E-E-D, to check out more content created by me. If you'd like to learn even more about the podcast, head on over to my website, livealifepodcast.com. And as always, may you be happy, healthy, and filled with peace.